The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. This episode of the Podcast of Terror is brought to you by our friends at Statusphere Merch. Use our coupon code TERROR for 15% off your order at statusphere.merch.com. Welcome to episode 51 of the, epi- of the episode of the Podcast of Terror. Ten seconds in, can you talk? Uh, this is a production of Galactic Netcasts. This is a podcast about all things that are scary. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is Corey Scott. Corey, how are you? I am the episode. Really? No, I don't know. Some sort of weird existential crisis we're having right now, isn't it? <laughs> we're just... Yeah. <laughs> um, this is going to be a good one. I can already feel it in my bones. <laughs> For more on this podcast... Including you can Corey, feel my bone. I will. I will feel your bone when you're not looking. Uh, for more on this podcast, including show notes, content, information, subscription links, you can go to gncast.com slash pot. You can chat with us on our Slack channel during the shows at gncast.com slash sign up. And then while you're over there, you can go ahead and subscribe to the newsletter as well. Podcast of Terror is super, super spoiler heavy because we like ruining things like Christmas. Uh, this week we'll be talking about the 2009 British movie Triangle. Uh, not to be confused with any number of other movies also named Triangle, so go ahead and watch it if you want. And I swear a lot. Does that make you happy, Corey? Make you happy when I do uh, I love it when you swear. Love it when I swear. I, I, nothing makes my nipples pert more. Um, awesome. Well, uh, I, I, you just really threw me off. Speaking of, uh, this week we are joined by the co-host of the Geek Cinema Society, Nicole Davis. Nicole, how are you? I'm quite well, thank you. I'm sure it's you know not quite as good as Corey over there, but uh, we're glad you could join us. Oh, I'm happy I can break out the Fox and the Twilight and what, because I can't do that on my podcast, so. Yeah, yeah, we um, we threw everything out the window from the get-go and pretty much decided that we were going to say whatever the fuck we wanted. I think that was a prerequisite. To be able to do the show? Yeah, yeah, when Dave asked, he, the first episode he asked is to keep it clean, and <laughs> that didn't last very long. That must Poor been. Dave. Yeah, poor, poor, sweet, precious Dave. But, hey, we're here. Uh, this comes out a few days before our one-year anniversary. So, hey, we made it a year. We haven't been shut down by the white man yet. Congratulations. Thank you. I had no idea we'd ever come this far. But if you're new to this podcast, I don't know where the fuck you've been for the past year. But we're going to cover some news, and then we're going to get into our movie, and we're going to have some fun doing it, maybe. Uh, we're going to try. We're going to try. Let's... One would hope. Yeah, one would hope. I make no promises. Uh, the first news story we have is that the thriller novel 13 Minutes is being adapted into a Netflix original film. Have Now, Nicole, I know you're a big reader. Have you ever read this? I have not. Oh. Do you know who wrote it? A person. A human <laughs> Sarah Pinborough. Oh, it was not written by, say, a parent or 25 people locked in a room. Anything like that? No. I don't think so. No, I've never even heard uh, of this book before. It's a recent novel. I think it came out in the last year. It sounds like a mix of Mean Girls or Jawbreaker, uh, where a girl's body is discovered. Uh, she's drowned in a lake. They revive her roughly 13 minutes after she officially died. And all of her friends in her peer group called the Barbies, while she's alive and everything, and it seems like everything should be sort of back to normal, everybody's sort of staying away from her and treating her differently. 
So it's a bit of a young adult thriller. Uh, she starts noticing all these things with the number 13. Oh, which so are it's, it's like... Um, that the Jim number 23? Movie. Yeah, the Jim Carrey movie. That was a big piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Stephen King gave this one a very good review. And the people working on it seem to have some semblance of competence in making films. And it's a Netflix thing, so which you, is doing really well lately. Do you feel like if you are an author and Stephen King is like, yeah, your book's pretty good, is that like the almighty stamp of approval? It certainly doesn't stuck. Yeah, I, would. I, I mean, it's the opposite side of Oprah's book club as far as content. <laughs> uh, that's valid point. Does Oprah still do her book club? I think so. I don't know. I don't watch Oprah. I was hoping one of you two would know. Well, she doesn't do the show anymore. I don't really care. Did she ever marry that guy? No. Stedman? No, Stedman? Yeah. Okay, sorry. It was, you know. I'm keeping him dangling as far as I know. Eh, well, can't blame her. Or maybe you we've, can. We've often thought that Stedman is like, what is the female equivalent of a beard? Uh... He's the Merkin. Oh, Merkin. Okay, okay. Her and Gale. That's funny. Um, that's funny. Stedman's a Merkin. You heard it here first. I'm sure she could do a whole lot of whatever the fuck she wants. But well, yes, yeah, more money. So. Maybe he's got like a 14-inch dick. That's the only thing I can think of. But you know, after. Yeah, I was gonna say that's intimidating. Yeah, I married a five foot tall woman on purpose. Um, yeah. I, I, now I know Corey and I have both been a huge fan of Stranger Things. Nicole, were you able to watch that yet? I was. Um, I watched the whole thing in a day. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. We did it in like two days, but so uh, obviously. 13 minutes and, and Stranger Things don't have a whole lot to do with each other, but uh, like Corey said, Netflix seems to be doing really good with putting out their TV shows. All of them. I mean, even comedy ones. So... I yeah, guess. I really enjoyed uh, Master of None and Daredevil and uh, They've tend to put out high quality stuff. Yeah, I, I really like Master of None also, so I guess them having uh, another show is not by no means a bad thing. Um... Let's go ahead and move to the next story while it loads slowly. A Pumpkinhead is going to be getting the reboot treatment in 2017. Uh, Corey, have you ever seen the original Pumpkinhead? Have either of you seen I, the original Pumpkinhead? I yeah. haven't, no. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the original Pumpkinhead quite a while ago. It's one of those things that my wife loves, Pumpkinhead, but it's it, it's good. It's classic. Had really good effects. Has Lance Henriksen, which is always a plus. Uh, but it spawned a bunch of sequels that mostly have been direct to Sci-Fi Channel. But that's so that's not a really lot of those, It's a slasher movie, right? Not exactly. It's a monster movie. Oh, okay. It's it's a. Gypsy conjures up the revenge monster. Oh. Well, I think I might still... It falls in, like, the, the puppet master type genre of 
horror movies where it's like maybe very, closer to that it's a very repeatable concept right um so i guess i can see how there's just a, a bunch of straight to sci-fi channel or straight to straight to dvd films how do you feel about the fact that they're rebooting it uh they they kind of stopped putting this stuff out in 2007 it just sort of went away but peter block who's in charge of the new film says that he wants to get a director who's got a feel for the original who loved the original concept mm-hmm. they're also not planning on doing a lot of heavy cgi they're still going to do practical effects so the idea is to make something that is an update but not like a big cheese fest ripoff yeah of the original which is interesting that they're planning to do like real effects for it since nowadays nothing is real the cake, yeah cake's not even real <laughs> it is a lie uh, well, someone got it uh, I got it <laughs> you just didn't laugh I see how it is I see how it is you're on my show keep that in mind I can end you no no you're fine um, nobody spares Matt's feelings on this show no not at all fucking whatever one of these days I'm just gonna lose it start crying um, the next story I'm really excited about this one I haven't even read it it's about Rob Zombie's 31. Except the fact that fucking one night only? Come on. Released in theaters for one night only. And I'm not sure what that's supposed to say. Either it's they're just planning on doing direct to video on demand or DVD. Well, it's been done for a long time. Right. Isn't that what they did with the killing joke? You know, it is. Yeah. Right. But was that ever supposed to be like a full theater release? I, w- I thought it was always just straight to uh, video. Yeah, it seemed like the putting it in the theater for one night was a bonus, not the plan. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, this is a movie that Corey and I have talked about a lot. Um, I feel like it's going to be a huge letdown at this point because it's just such a huge buildup. And Rob Zombie doesn't, always, he doesn't have the greatest track record in my opinion. I don't know if Nicole, you're a fan of his movies. I know you're still, you're pretty recent to the horror genre, right? It's yeah, I mean, I'd say maybe years slowly down. Yeah. Um, I love all the classics. I haven't got more torturous ones. I haven't seen more as more Okay. So. Yeah, like, I, I really liked uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, and I really liked The Devil's Rejects. I kind of liked his Halloween, and I absolutely despised Halloween 2, and The Lords of Salem was a shit fest too. So I feel like the further away from his first movies he gets, the worse they get. But 31 sounds like it's a really promising movie. I don't know. Corey, I might need a hug after I see that movie. <laughs> You'll need a hug during. Uh, it's got Malcolm McDowell in it. Which is, I mean, that's someone that you add into a film and it's worth seeing just for him alone. But I guess it depends on, do you know, does it say what his character is? I'm sure it does, but... I saw a clip from it. It's kind of Victorian age and his characters are sort of dressed up. But they've got all these people captured in the middle of this room Mm -hmm. that they're planning on doing something with. I don't know. So it's maybe a little bit close to what was the Tom Cruise 
Nicole Kidman one, Vanilla where Tom Cruise Sky? is running around seeing random sex acts. Uh, oh, um, eyes wide shut. Yes, it looks a little bit like a violent version of that. <laughs> All right, I'm sold. from first look. I'm sold. Um, yeah, the, I mean, there's a ton of stuff on like what it's actually about, but I don't know. I just don't know. I'm gonna see it. That asshole's gonna get my money again. Chances are I'll be really let down. Um, but speaking of assholes, I'm really excited that you picked this story, Corey. The next one, not the the I, not the 31 one. I thought of you. This is a huge topic uh, for like the three people that listen to this show and one of my other ones I do about music and fighting. We talked about Marilyn Manson on what will be the upcoming episode because he recently has been having some issues. I don't know if either of you have paid any attention, but I'm pretty sure he's doing drug, like, fuck, probably doing heroin. Because there's, like, videos are surfacing of him on the internet, like, trying to go into the crowd, and he just, like, lays down and rolls off the stage. And then there was one where he tried to, like, do a, he tried to, like, farmer blow, and he just got it all over his hands. And he, like, fought with the snot. And then there was another one where he dropped trow mid-show and, like, wiped his balls off with a towel and then threw it into the crowd at someone. And he just, like, when he talks, it's just a complete mess. And it's just all, like, garbled. Oh, God. It's... Uh, that's a shame. It, it, it really is a shame because Marilyn Manson, in terms of, like, being a musician, is pretty seminal. You know what I mean? Like, he's... Is that like he gets a seminal all over you? He gets a seminal all over you. Um, <laughs> he's pretty iconic. Is that better? Is that a better word for you? Yeah. Fuck. Um, <laughs> in terms of shock rock and the whole, like scare the shit out of your parents type music he was the guy for a very long time um he just i think he just really likes to party but he's, he's almost 50 he's 47 years old anyways the whole the story that i've completely deviated from uh marilyn manson will be playing a character on the tv show salem for the third season uh i when i saw this originally i didn't know that his his song was their theme song to that show and i don't know if either of you even watch this show I don't know that I should considering it. Yeah. So it looks interesting. Um, uh, our singer and one of my co-hosts on Rounds and Breakdowns, his his fiance really, really likes the show. So I, I was worried that it was... Corey, wasn't that you that asked me if it was like a teeny bopping show? I thought it was like an ABC Family or something. Which I had never heard of it, and I didn't know if WGN was like an abc family or not i don't know no it's probably a little bit less of that less shit yeah uh but yeah marilyn manson is playing a barber slash surgeon who is a go-to man in salem for everything from a shave and a haircut to being leached bled sliced or sewn up i believe marilyn manson describes the character as being like the devil's advocate or the best friend of the devil something to that extent seems like it has a Sweeney Todd-esque vibe to it. I don't know. I bet he murders a lot of people is where I'm going with this. <laughs> Could well be. I hope so. I hope so. If Marilyn Manson's going to be on a TV show, he fucking better murder a bunch of people. Well, of course, he was famously on The Wonder Years. That's not really him. I know. Okay. I, I like, had... I had the... <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I had like an inside crisis because I know that it's something that had been talked about for uh, at great length amongst me and my friends. So um, that'll do it for the news, I think. I don't think you stuck anything else in there on me. No, that was it. Yeah, but I, I, I'm kind of excited to talk about this movie that Nicole so graciously made us watch. Um, so yeah, we are here. We're gathered here today to discuss the 2009 British film Triangle. And all the times I have typed out the word Triangle while doing these show notes, I have spelt it wrong every time. Wow. Just so you know, and it's like I switched the G and the N around, so it's yeah, fucking. College degrees. This is where college degrees get you kids. So this movie is incredibly strange and was really confusing. Um, and Did you watch What's that? Did you watch it? Because I found that. No, but I can totally see how that would work. Um, once this started to kind of catch on as to what was happening, then it became a little easier to swallow. So... What happens is it's about uh, this this girl, Jess, who, oh man, I don't know a good way to describe it. She's, She's a, a single Yeah, single mom with an autistic son, uh, clearly very stressed out, very tired, uh, and her ex-boyfriend, wannabe boyfriend, I didn't... Wannabe boyfriend. Okay, I, could, I wasn't entirely sure they didn't spell out how their relationship was centered but so a wannabe boyfriend invites her to go sailing and uh it's, and with some of his other friends yep yep which I, they kind of seemed useless to the story but um they're sailing or whatever and then one thing leads to another and, and all of a sudden they're caught up in a storm and their boat flips over and then yes. they're on top of the boat and then there's this like big fucking massive tanker ship takes a uh, comes out of nowhere and uh, I wish I could tell it, say hilarity ensues but it's not um, it's neither hilarity nor hilarity no yeah it, it's a, a whole mess of bad times um, yeah so they the the ship capsizes one of the people on the ship and sadly probably my favorite character in the movie uh gets lost at sea they all get picked up by this giant uh vessel which is essentially a cruise ship they start going around on the ship can't find anybody are not sure who it is is rescued them who might be steering them around but they do tend to kind of like just wander it as opposed to going straight up to where I would think the cabin or the captain would be, which I thought was a little odd. And then they start getting essentially killed. But let's just go with it. It doesn't take long that suddenly starts murdering all the people that were part of the original cruise. Uh, it was a three-hour tour, but it turned out poorly. That was a dad joke if I ever heard one. Yes. It's a much shorter movie than that. Yeah. Um, so, it, and it also didn't take very long to kind of start to realize what exactly is happening. Um, it's pretty easy to figure out that the whole movie is this constant loop, and it really started to fuck with my head. So, thanks, Nicole. You're welcome. 
You had said uh, something about liking the more psychological horror sort of thing, so I thought you might enjoy this oh, yeah. as opposed to the other ones I was considering. I, I definitely really did enjoy this, don't get me wrong. It just was... It was... It was it was weird. It, it, oh, yeah. It didn't. It wasn't like very straightforward in, in explaining, which is it shouldn't have. But I'm saying you you have to like watch and then you kind of reflect back on what happened and how things panned out and you know like when you when you realize that when they are coming up on the the big ass boat on top of their tiny boat that the person staring down at them is really her, and then in the theater the person shooting at them is really her and. You know, how the guy gets the hole in the back of his head and all that weird shit. And then, like, the little nuances, it just, I don't know, started to break. If I was going to discuss this movie with somebody who'd never seen it and didn't care about being spoiled, what I would basically say is it's Groundhog's Day with Ghost Ship. It's it's a mix of those two things. Uh, it's, it, it's not quite as cut and dry as that, and Groundhog's Day... Obviously, Phil keeps waking up to the same day over and over again and is just trying to do better. But in this, we see points where she runs into herself. Like, as reliving the same day, we follow her going the whole way through. So at some points, she sees past versions of herself and future versions of herself at the same time as encountering them going through. So it's all from her perspective the whole way across. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's linear for us as the viewer. But it is kind of like the date essentially keeps repeating from the moment where the crew gets pulled onto this other boat. And she winds up telling herself in the first uh, meeting of one of her future selves, you have to kill them. It's the only way to get back to your son. And it's kind of a weird path because it doesn't exactly make a lot of sense why she has to kill them. Uh, other than the fact that she keeps finding notes and things saying, you know, you have to kill them, and but it's it's sort of, you can see that it keeps happening, and she rewrites the note herself to see that it's her own handwriting, so now there's a stack of them. That was the probably one of the coolest parts of the movie, though, is that you see where not only is it happening over and over again, but the things that she's interacted with have stacked up. So right. when she leans into this grate and her necklace gets caught there, she can see all these other necklaces of hers underneath the grate. And they've just, like, they keep multiplying because she keeps doing it over and over again. So at that point, she doesn't realize how many times she's gone through this. Uh, probably my favorite part of the movie was when she's she finds Sally, who's been stabbed by her in one of the cabins. Sally's now gone up to one of the decks where all of the seagulls are, and they're all oh, eating yeah. a whole just giant shot. pile of dead Sallies. There's just like 20 or 30 bodies, all of her. It's so there. creepy. Yeah. Like, she's already freaked out. She's dying, but she's surrounded by a whole bunch more of her that are also dying. That was, that was a moment where I was like, okay, this movie just turned to epic. Yeah, no, that was that was absolutely what sold me a hundred percent on this movie is when Sally gets up there and there's like at least two dozen dead Sallies being picked picked up by picked on by seagulls. You know, there's this cloud of seagulls that gets blown away when Jess gets up there um, following the 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 only currently living Sally. 
Um, and there's just these piles of them, and it's incredibly eerie and creepy and horrible. And there's also several, you know, and as you're following Jess, uh, at one point she takes off her sweater and puts it up against Sally's belly wound. And if you look carefully, there are at least three or four other sweaters scattered yep. around the deck. So not only has Sally been killed, you know, so many times, she's also done that particular thing several times already. So it kind of makes you wonder. There's always at least a couple dozen of everything when you find multiples. Yeah, and because Sally dies in a couple different ways. I mean, the first run through, she gets shot uh, right after Downey does. So there's... There's no reason for her to have made it up to that deck at that point, but later on, when the stabbing happens in the cabin instead, that's what changes it, and when they, you start getting the stack of Sally's and when Downey starts going over the edge and seagulls are going after his corpse in the water. But it's it's kind of random, too. There are things that happen, like, for some reason, the first time through, the fruit is all okay, and then later on she notices the fruit is all rotten, but if the day has just been restarting, the fruit should never get to the point where it's rotten like that. So it's a little strange with how they play with time, and when we get to the end of it, how it all kind of works out and then essentially reboots itself, there's a moment where we see a cab driver who just identifies himself as a driver come up to get her, and essentially I have to assume that that driver is death, planning to take her away, because they find out the name of the ship, and Sally says that the the name relates to mythology of a person who made a deal with dead and then cut with death and then kind of broke the rules. Yes, yeah, Sisyphus. And like, yeah, made a promise and then decided not to do it. And so, that's essentially what we get at the end. Is right, Sisyphus promises death that if he's well, first Sisyphus tricks death into being chained up himself. And so no one dies for a while. Uh, and then the gods get really pissed about that. So they bring him back down. And then he convinces someone to let him back up to, I think it's to chastise his wife for not burying his body properly, even though he had told his wife not to do that. Um, and he stays up. You know, he promises he's going to come right back. And then he does. Right. So and that's, that's exactly what she does. Again. He's punished in hell by having to roll the rock up to the top of this hill, and every time he just about gets it to the top, it rolls back down again. So he's yep. condemned to do the same thing over and over for eternity. Yeah, so Death comes and picks her up and goes to take her away, but she says she wants to go to the harbor, and then by the time she gets to the harbor, she decides she's going to go through the whole day again, which essentially, I don't know if she decides it or if she forgets, but she... She goes back out there, and it, it takes us to what is essentially the start of the movie, almost. Uh, past the point of where she started asleep. with the kid. When she falls asleep on the boat, I think, is where she forgets everything. And it becomes deja vu for her when she, when they see the cruise ship again, rather than her actually knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, so it takes a couple of jumps, which I think was was interesting, but slightly confusing and just like those kinds of decisions, but overall just the concept of going through this same day over and over again, but being able to affect the things uh, as you're doing it in a real-time sense. So for everybody else, it's it's reliving the same day over and over, but for her, it's 
she's just going forward in time where everybody else hits the bumps, hits the, the retread, uh, or basically like the record skipping and starting the song over. Right, which so, they do literally in one place in the movie. I think it's yeah. I think it's not a hundred percent linear. Like the film actually, you know, sort of shudders and jumps a couple times, and I think that's sort of skipping a couple of iterations. Right. And so she might have jumped, you know, like six times ahead or something right there. Or it's the movie's way of saying, and this happened, you know, twenty seven more times and then this is now we're on round twenty eight or something. That damn yeah, movie and... broke my brain. <laughs> well, it's like Groundhog's Day in the fact of the the reliving, except where Phil was trying to get to be a better person by the end of it. She is going further down the path of, like, the only way I can fix everything is to be a better murderer, is to kill all these people. And I just never quite got that part because there's the point where they see her up at the top of the boat and they're like, oh, we see somebody... She doesn't signal them to not get on the boat, which maybe would keep this from happening. She, They get to the part where it starts over, and then she has to keep doing this. And she knows that every time they die, things restart. So I don't understand where she gets this leap in logic of, okay, I kill them all, and then I'm going to be able to get back to my kid. That is what happens by her essentially getting pushed off the boat by herself. And she wakes up on the beach, and then she walks home and disrupts her own life there. Uh graphically horribly uh, to s- essentially still start the whole ordeal over again. Right, right. I think, I, I don't know, I think it's just, um, you know, trying to do the reset so that she can try something different yeah. every time. And maybe that's what it is, is that she can't change what's happening as much as she's trying to just the fact that she's trying to change it is itself what's setting the things in motion to make it keep happening over and over again. Right. And the one time, you know, the the time that we see that she thinks she's done it where she kills her, you know, previous abusive self and puts her kid in the car and drives off with her son, um she thinks she's she's broken the loop and they hit a seagull. And she goes to throw it off to the side of the road, and there's a pile of dead seagulls there. Yep. And she realizes that it, she hasn't broken it at all. There's no way to escape what she's doing. So essentially, she might not even be alive. This could just be her version of purgatory or hell, is having to relive this day over and over again. I, w- I would call this hell rather than purgatory. Yeah. Same here. So, although she does get one, like, one moment of happiness on the sailboat. You know, like, right after she wakes up from her nap where she forgets everything. Mm-hmm. And she's steering the boat. You see a genuine smile on her face for about a minute. And then it all goes to shit when the storm rolls in. So, and it's, oh, this, I, yeah, I mean, the first time I watched this, it broke my brain also. But uh, I was like, I have to show this to somebody else. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that is that is true. Commonly, I when I talk about things, movies on this, it's either my wife has given them a rating uh, because she's seen them before, or she's watched them with me. This is one of those ones that I want to go back and have her watch because you you have to show somebody else. It's like the tape in the ring. 
Yeah, there was. Uh, there was a, a point in watching it in which I, f I realized like you have to go back and watch it. You, like you have to go back and rewatch the movie because I feel like the things that happen at the beginning will make a lot more sense after you've seen the entire thing. They do, yeah. But I don't know. I just don't know. This movie made me question a lot of things in my life. Well, also, if you happen to be somebody who really hates uh, Liam Hemsworth, this gives you the opportunity to see him die terribly <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah, multiple times. The the most uncomfortable being when she puts her finger in the hole in the back of his head. Yeah. And what a weird... I mean, like, essentially, she starts the whole thing off accidentally causing his death. It It, it wasn't even like that was a purposeful death. It's like, oops, I... It, it was what was the movie uh, Very Bad Things that was in the '90s where they killed a prostitute in their Las Vegas motel room and that started the whole thing. Uh, it was very similar to that. It's like, oops, I just knocked your head into something that poked you in the brain, but he wasn't dead until he comes and sees her later and she's trying to defend herself from him and she, yeah, finishes the job by sticking her finger in there and just wiggling around. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but like everybody else dies pretty purposefully after yes, that but also horribly it's like well I killed one and it's like Pringles you know I just can't stop there once you uh, pop you don't stop <laughs> and I didn't really feel bad about other people dying like the only thing that really stuck with me was the way that Sally died in the pile of Sally's that was that was like really disturbing but like, Downey and Sally were complete assholes. Uh, Liam Hemsworth as Victor. I don't know a lot about Liam Hemsworth other than he's the lower Hemsworth on the totem pole. And I mean, his character in this movie is just this, you know, young dope. Yeah. Like, when Heather is supposed to be getting fixed up with Greg and Greg doesn't seem interested, she's like, well, there's always the 18-year-old, you know, let's see what happens there. So, like, no, no, don't do that. Uh, no, she absolutely should have. Heather had a good head on her shoulders, and Victor had one for a second. Uh, right. I wonder if it's been because Heather is, like, the only truly sort of innocent character is why she gets just sucked out of the sailboat when it overturns and spared this whole ordeal. Yeah, and she she's almost like a red herring. Because when she disappears and there's a murderer on the boat, the first assumption is well, where is Heather, and could Heather be the killer? Because she's the only one who's not there. Until you start to realize what's going on, that very easily could have been that. And they spend a lot of time looking for her on this boat, assuming that she's there. And then they all start getting picked off. But you right. ha you kind of have to assume that no one else understands what's happening. Right. Because they're not seeing the, the replays. They're not seeing all the shit. I mean, until like Sally finds the pile of her dead bodies. You know, until there's there's very blatant things like that for everyone involved. Um, right, she believes it's dead, but it's a little too late at that point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're fucked at that point. I, how would you react if you were being chased by someone? Not only is that bad enough, but you stumble upon a pile of your own dead bodies. Yeah, and she's already pretty much in shock. But again, this is the problem that I have with Jess's motivations: is that she knows at some point she realizes that she accidentally starts things off by 
causing Victor harm. And then after that, she even tries to fix things with him later. But she never goes and confronts herself before that moment happens. She doesn't stop that moment, and she could. She watches it happen the second time. So why doesn't she? Why doesn't she put a stop to herself to keep the cycle from progressing? And then, you know, maybe if she's the one who dies or at least stops what's happening and everybody else lives, then this wouldn't keep starting over and over again. Because she realizes that when everybody else dies is when the day starts over. You know, she says that. So I don't know why she thinks that it's important to kill them and keep starting the day over versus letting things play out without murdering all of her friends or shipmates. Right. YOLO, I guess. <laughs> it's like, here's my opportunity just kill <laughs> willy-nilly. And they were, like I said, most of them were pricks. It's <laughs> a rough thing to say about her friends. They were not her friends. Like, Sally was talking shit about her from the moment she showed up. That's true. Just the boat captain. Shrimp boat captain liked her. Yeah, Greg just... And Greg was an asshole to Heather. Like, just outright. Like, here's this person we're fixing up with. Yeah, I'm not only not interested, but I'm just going to totally fucking ignore her as much as possible and make her feel really weird hanging out with me on this boat. I guess I'll never invite you to come out on a boat with me. Well, he was just a jerk. No, oh, I see that you have a very, very rough, rough time going out on boats, Corey. You're scared of boats, aren't you? I, I don't like. I mean, I have sea legs on land. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> Fix that shit. Did you, uh, did you guys notice there's an Easter egg in there where the, the stateroom where the Jess in the coveralls stabs Downey and Sally as room 237. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, like the room in The Shining. Um, I wanted it to be 227 because I wanted it to be based <laughs> off of that old TV series. What? You want to be out on the stoop talking, yeah. <laughs> talking to the neighbors. And go right from this movie to an episode of Amen. Uh, no, it was there was there were little homages and stuff, and it, like I said, it it was a good movie with some wonkiness to it. But overall, like it just starts out so basic, and they're they're out in the water, and then they things just kind of die. So it was like, okay, so this is based on the Bermuda Triangle. And then another ship shows up, and then there's a mass murderer that's killing them, and it's like, okay, so now this is a little bit more of a typical slasher. Then it just went way off the rails. And right. that was that was surprising in a good way. Yeah, that's what I that's what I love in a horror movie is if it can surprise me and just not have the same tropes over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to go in with no expectations as well, because I, I never had heard of this movie. Same here. Plus, it was a whole new, to me at least, a whole new like idea for a horror movie, you know, where it's not really a killer after these people for some reason or another. It's this girl who's basically inside her own nightmare, and she's trying, she just wants to fucking get out. And in doing so, she decides that she's just going to continually kill her 
quote-unquote friends over and over and over until she finally gets home, only to find out that it, she's just starting the whole thing over. Yeah, only right. find out that the kid that she did all that for to get back to, one, she is abusive to, and she probably doesn't remember that aspect of herself, and two, she causes his death anyways when she thinks that she's saving him from herself. Uh, and again, she goes in there and she kills her past self to protect him, but if she had just let her past self go on with the day, maybe, again, this would have been a way to avoid it. So it's, we can see that this has happened over and over again, like you said, with the pigeons uh, being found at the side of the road. So it's a question of, yeah, how how far along, like how many different tries, how many different paths did she take to not have it happen this way? Or does it continuously happen this way? I guess is the question. Can she ever find her way out of it? I'm thinking probably not. You know, yeah, I mean, I, if it's... It's like, which it's, what sin is she paying for? Is it because she's abusive toward her kid that she's doing this? Is it because she inadvertently causes his death because she keeps turning her head to talk to him while she's driving, which drove me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> As a mom, I see her do that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't do, don't do that. You don't do that. But, uh, although she wasn't in a very good state of mind at that point as well. So yeah, I, that's true. That, that's the emotional break of like, I'm not thinking straight, uh, everything like I've had a bad day before, but this is a day unlike any other. All right, exactly. Yeah. I, overall, um, now, Nicole, I know you listen to this show, so you've heard me shit on a lot of movies. But yes. I overall, I think this is, this is a really good pick, so thank you. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you liked it. And I think this movie definitely, you know, I, I hope that the people listening have watched the movie first before coming here because I think this this movie benefits tremendously from not knowing anything about it at all before you watch it. Yeah. If only some asshole was persistent about making Matt tell everybody at the beginning of the show that we're going to spoil things for them. Well, you did for this one, so. No, I do it every time. Corey's an asshole. I am the asshole. But I love him. Not good. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, it's a really good movie. There's it's a lot to wrap your your brain around. You probably should have said like watch it two times before, because I usually wait till the day of of recording an episode to watch the movie, so it's still fresh. Because I have a really shitty memory. Um, uh, so you didn't watch it till like five o'clock or something, or? Uh, one o'clock. So you you're saying you had time to watch it twice and you just no didn't. because we we had to record another episode. Uh, we went back to the future and recorded a yet-to-be-aired episode before this one. It was a fucking... Yeah, yeah, it was a fucking kludge, but... Um, yeah, I, I definitely plan to watch it again. I have a couple friends that are really into horror movies, so I want to talk to them about it, too. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I have nothing else to really discuss. I don't know if you guys want to... Far be it for me to stop you from conversing, but uh, if not, I guess we can go ahead and get into... Um, ranking it no it's just um there was one other detail that i that i wanted to point out that i thought was interesting um on the ship in the ballroom there's a bandstand with instruments on it and uh one of the drums has this ao symbol on it which i think is supposed to be like an alpha and omega 
kind of thing. And if you're uh, watching at the end where you know the accident happens to where this high school band is practicing and that same symbol is on the side of the drum in the high school band. So it's just sort of an overriding reminder that she's she's not going to get away from this no matter what she does. Yeah, and that's the thing is when I was watching this at the beginning and they were showing like scenes of the town and and scenes that didn't seem to have anything to do with the movie and certainly not of the story at that point in time. I was kind of like, oh, God, you know, it's so cliche that they have one of these movies, and it's like, here's all these scenes from around the town that have absolutely dick all to do with it. But it all pays off in the end in such a great way that I was like, ah, oh, shit. You know, I was I was just, like Matt said, I was being an asshole. Uh, but it, you're right. There were things to look for with that knowledge later on that were payoffs that you didn't realize were there at the beginning, which is... A very good thing to do in this type of movie. It's it's sort of that's essential to it being considered a success or not. Uh, but I think it was really successful. Yeah, yeah. And the band's playing "Anchors Away," which is what's on the record on the ship that she bumps into. Yep. Um, I, I think like like I said previously, like you have to rewatch it because there's a lot of things that like the the drums and the music and stuff, I really wouldn't have picked it up the first time through because you're too busy just trying to figure out what the hell's happening. Right, yeah, it definitely rewards multiple viewings. So, I mean, I really liked, um, you know, this this made me go and look for other Christopher Smith movies. Chris, Christopher Smith is the writer and director, um, and he, I haven't seen Creep. That's a movie about, um, like, a, a creature in the London underground um, I have seen Severance, which is a horror comedy um, about like a group of co-workers that go on sort of this outward bound thing and they start dying in horrible ways. Um, but this made me want to go see his subsequent film, which was called The Black Death, which I would not recommend uh, because it's all handheld. And while I usually don't mind that, and I'm usually totally fine with it, this is really bad. This is like some guy running with a handheld camera with no stabilizer kind of thing, and it was just incredibly difficult to watch. It's got the usual Sean Bean cliche in it, you know, so I, I can't say I would recommend that one, but I would recommend if people like this movie that they go back and watch Severance and probably Creep also. Well, if anything, Matt will wind up going to see Get Santa because he likes Santa movies. Oh, yeah, that's coming up, right? Only if Goldberg is in it. <laughs> or he's just jealous that he didn't find the gem Santa slave first. Now he's being a prick about it. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> so if you had to rank this movie on a 0 to 5 scale in your rewatchability, Nicole, what would you give it? Oh, definitely a 5. Like I said, this this rewards multiple viewings. Yeah, I, I agree. I will uh, also ooh, maybe a four just because I don't know. I don't feel like my brain has adequately come back from the beating it received watching this movie, trying to figure out what was happening. So, so you've been victorized. Uh, that was a displaced groan, by the way. Yeah, I I will give it a four. I I think it was very good. And it certainly earns a rewatch. It's just, man, 
people were assholes. <laughs> like, if the only thing about it is is that it's like everybody's such jerks that you don't really like to watch them, uh, especially for the first twenty minutes or so. But after that, when it gets to the the crux of the story, it gets really good uh, because they all die. <laughs> Maybe. Valid point. Uh, zero to five on the story, Nicole. Um, I would give it a four, just because there are, you know, there are a couple of points where you're like, well, why doesn't she just take the shotgun and go stand on the the gangway of the cruise ship and not let the people on when the when the boat, you know, when the overturned yacht comes around again, um, and just see what happens from there. I um, agree. I also wondered why she didn't just place or something. Yeah, I, I didn't understand why she didn't just go down there and just kill them before they ever got on the boat, especially if all she had to do was stop them from getting on the boat. But Or not kill them. That <laughs> Try sure. not killing them. Maybe that will be okay. Yeah, if they never step foot on the boat at all, that automatically changes things. So just stand there, like you said, with the gun and say, don't get on here. Plus they're going to be looking at the same person that's standing next to them on their sinking ship. Uh, sure, it sucks. We're, we might die at sea, but there's someone actively trying to kill us who is uh, it's amazingly looks just like you and shouldn't be there. So unless you have a twin that we don't know about, fuck it. I'm staying here. Right. Right. But I mean, I think overall, though, that it's it's a very clever script and it's a really interesting concept that's executed quite well. Yeah. So except for like a couple of holes, it's it's overall very good. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I now the holes could have been there for a reason. Who knows? I, you know, the only way to find out is to ask the guy who wrote it. But she has tried; it didn't work, and we just don't yeah. see it. Right, and absolutely. that's that may be insinuated by the fact that there are so many dead bodies everywhere of the same four or five people, and this the seagull, rest in peace, seagull. Uh, I'm gonna give it a five for this. Story. Where the hell are we? I lost my story. way. Yeah, story. Right story. Yeah, five for the story just because it's something new. Um, I have watched a lot of horror movies over the past year and my entire life. Um, and, and it's definitely new to me. So I'll give it a five. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I'll go solid four. Uh, I, I think it was really good. Uh, still, Groundhog Day and Ghost Ship. Which isn't a bad thing. I mean, the, no, not at all. It's it's a it's it's fresh. It's a fresh take. Um, it it is a new take on at least some ideas that haven't been done to death. Absolutely. Um, which brings us to the always the always boring co- uh, topic: scariness. Zero to five, Nicole. Uh, I found it more creepy than scary. We'll go on a creepy scale. Um, it, if it if you go on a creepiness scale, I would say a, a solid four, maybe a four and a half. I mean, just for that scene with Sally, yeah. that that's a that's a five right there. Um, you know, and the pile of dead seagulls, and uh, it's just you know, every time you realize how many iterations have have gone before notches it up a little on the creepiness scale. So somewhere between a four and a four and a half, I would say. Well, 
I'll round it up to a four and a half because I don't want her to go four point two five. This is America. Um, I, I would say it's not it's not scary. It is a mind fuck more than anything. So I guess you could lean towards creepiness. Uh, I'm gonna say a three just because the fact of like thinking through the possibility of what she went through, um, kind of ruins your day a little bit. But that's just me. So. Yeah, I'm going to go solid four on this as well uh, because I think we something else that we rated recently it's something that's going to stick with me it's something that I'm going to think on far beyond just watching the movie, it's not something I put it away afterwards and it's like okay, well that was entertaining for the moment and gone, this is one of those things that I'm going to probably be thinking about for a little while and certainly after re-watching it to get into a little bit more uh I have a feeling it'll just my mind will try to fill in those blanks and maybe even take it off in a couple of different directions that they didn't go into the movie itself. Yeah. Either way, super solid movie. Potentially the highest we've ever scored a movie that isn't a classic movie. Wow. Just saying. We've changed the scale a bunch, so I can't really answer that question. Uh, Santa Slay I gave a five, but that's it's Santa Slay. So... <laughs> It's just a minor bias there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a classic. The thing is, is the movie's not even that good. I don't even remember liking it that much. Corey just hates it and didn't like the fact that I like it so much that I, it's just now become my favorite movie ever. <laughs> just because he hates it? Yep, because that's the kind of person I am. Uh, so you could contact... Dresser was in it. <laughs> she was. She died within two minutes of the movie starting, though, so it was okay. Uh, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. You can email us at pot at gncast.com. You can leave us a message on the website, too. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Let us know what you hate, what you love. Uh, maybe you can explain to me why Corey hates the greatest movie ever, Santa Slay starring Goldberg, The Wrestler, for those of you who aren't familiar. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast of Terror, and you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcatchers, and please leave us some feedback. Five star review if you can, unless you use Stitcher. They don't have five stars because whatever. Corey likes Stitcher, so I hate it. That's how our relationship works. All of the subscription links and options can be found at gncast.com/slash/subscribe. Finally, you can join us on Facebook under Galactic Netcasts. Nicole, thank you very much for joining us. It was awesome. Um, I know this was kind of a long time coming, so I'm A, really glad you made it, B, really glad you picked a really good movie, and uh, C, where can everyone find all of the things that you do? Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm very happy to be on here. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a co-host on Geek Cinema Society. Uh, We're on Twitter under Geek Cinema S-O-C. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as Geek Cinema Society. You can find us on the Blazing Caribou Studios page. Uh, and if you just want to follow me personally on Twitter, I am at YourWordWiz, Y-O-U-R-W-O-R-D-W-H-I-Z. Um, oh, I wish I could tell you which episode is dropping when this will come out, but I don't know because we've got, like, six more in the can right now so yeah all i know is that i recently did well recently was like two weeks ago did an episode and i was told it wouldn't come out for like another two months so i mean that's cool for you guys i sometimes we run into it where it's like we're scrambling to try and get 
episodes out every week. So it's kind of cool that you can have six. I'm just like, hey, I don't want to do anything this week. We'll just put out one of the ones we got. It's, it's good practice. <laughs> that's very true. But so, that's one of the reasons we did that was, was just in case one of us couldn't record one week. Right, right, which is huge, and I'm stupid in every podcast I'm on is pretty time sensitive except we're weird world weekly but uh Corey how about you if uh strangely enough it, I guess in probably six to twelve months from now you'll find me on Keek Cinema Society I'm a guest this week <laughs> we're gonna be doing an episode together uh, so hi Nicole hey. uh otherwise you can find the comics that I help publish on donascomics.com and uh just check out the stuff, the great works by Levi Krauss and friends. Do that. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Matt the Lifeguard. Once again, Nicole, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you get the all-encompassing ever ever sought after. You can come back whenever the fuck you want. So, awesome. Yeah, if you got another movie you want to talk about, you're more than welcome to come back. So, Thank you again for listening to another episode of the podcast here, and we'll catch you guys next week. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! No, it's... What is that exactly? You know, Superman is an extraterrestrial, so you may hear us talk about him on the Alien Invasion podcast. Hey, it's Dave Nelson inviting you to join myself, Brad Ludwig, and Anessa Moyens for our weekly discussion about all things not of this Earth, whether they be gray or green creatures from fiction, the latest stories from the world of science regarding the real possibility of life out there somewhere, or the claim from somebody saying they're already among us. We'll talk about it. You'll hear three stories from the week's news, a featured sighting, and our entertainment picks or warnings rated on a scale of one to five flying saucers, of course. All of it and more every week on the Alien Invasion Podcast, part of the Galactic Netcast Network of Shows. Find us at gncasts.com aliens or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Next week on the Podcast of Next week we're going to be joined by Nate Ward and Brandon Raymond of the Inked Geek Studios to talk about the not great Nicolas Cage movie Drive Angry. Um, yeah, you'll have to watch it. I, I think this is Corey's favorite movie. I love him for it. I but... could not tell you enough great things about Nicolas Cage at this point. Yeah, Nicolas Cage, he's, he's a real humdinger of an actor. So uh, be sure to check it out next week to see how awesome of a conversation we have with those guys. Well, thanks again for listening to the podcast of Terror. Stay scary, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Podcast of Tear. You can help Galactic Netcast pay for our web and audio hosting by supporting us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts and pledge as little as dollars a month. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com. <laughs>